Howdy folks, welcome back to the podcast. It's that time of year, the holidays are upon us. Many of us are going to be gathering with family, many of us are going to be gathering with friends. Hopefully, not many of us are going to be lonely and by themselves this holiday season. If that is you, maybe just listen to all of our episodes, you know, just listen to all of our podcasts. <laughs> there is a giant moth flying up there. Yeah, there is. Today we're going to be talking about the holidays, how we feel about Friendsgiving, if we think that's helpful to the Christian community, if it's helpful to families or not, and then some things that we do in our family holiday traditions that we partake in. Folks, thank you all so much for participating here on the podcast, whether that's in the comment section on YouTube or if you are able to leave a rating or a review on whatever platform you listen to our podcast on. Let's get this thing going. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. Well, Catherine Joy, here, you know what's funny is that about three years ago, or no, two what years right now, two years ago, we, because of the circumstances, because of the, cir- the circumstances, we were not with any family on Thanksgiving. And it really, it was like, wow, I don't know how I feel about this. I remember on the day. And... And then I, I remembered being invited to some different Friendsgivings. And I think the first time I heard that expression was, I think it was 2015 because I had just moved away from Centralia. And so the, all of a sudden doing holidays away from my family became a possibility, I guess. And I thought, oh, Friendsgiving, that's cool. And, and obviously that can be a tremendous blessing. And, and actually even prior to hearing about that term, I had been involved in other non family holidays because of being away from home. In fact, Oh yeah, that's so funny. Before you and I were married, your, your side of the family, like, so my mom's brothers and sisters. Yes, exactly. Um, hosted me for a Thanksgiving dinner, which is really great because I was in Southern California selling Christmas trees and we had been setting up the week leading up to Thanksgiving. And, and then your cousin, who was my business partner, He's like, well, why don't you come over to my family's for Thanksgiving? And so it was really cool to be a part of that Thanksgiving. And and I think that anytime you are not able to connect with family, having friends is an abundant blessing. Uh, but it's funny because on this particular Thanksgiving two years ago, I was I was considering that Friendsgiving concept. And so I, I kind of, I think I Googled, you know, like when did Friendsgivings become popular or whatever. And there was an article Uh, written by The Atlantic. This article is pretty old now. I think maybe 2018 or 19. And uh, it was talking about the rise in popularity of Friendsgiving and Friendsgivings and how millennials are more and more opting for Friendsgivings over traditional family Thanksgiving gatherings. And it kind of went into the reasons behind it. I thought, oh boy, when I read the article, of course, The Atlantic's very liberal. They are anti-family. They're anti-God. And so they're going to have a take that's not you know, pro-God or pro-family. And they really went into how we do so much better when we are able to choose who our family is and who our family are, family members are. And Friendsgiving's traditions really derived from a lot of people that were living, you know, homosexual lifestyles. They did, they felt ostracized by their biological family. And so they banded together with one another to celebrate these holidays. And you're like, oh, that's interesting, but it's easy to believe. And you're kind of like, that totally makes sense. And now that that's carried on 
you know, from like going back to the homosexual community now just to kind of spreading throughout all millennial communities and into the Christian community, I thought, man, this is one of those things that if you're, if you're not careful, obviously it's not, Friendsgivings are not wrong. I want to make sure people get that. But if you're not careful, you can really start to see how these expressions and these options are really tearing down what God has put in place, and that being the family, being the biological family. And and so that article was striking to me. And then once again, it's that time of year, so I was wondering what people are doing. And there was an article by the New York Times basically reiterating the same point, being like, hey, you shouldn't feel obligated to go be around family members that have a different political view that make you feel bad for your lifestyle. You don't want to have to go explain why you're not married yet or why you haven't had children yet. Um, and you know what, what you're doing in your career to people, you know, all the, all the things which I thought was kind of ironic because, you know, liberal talk, you know, talking heads are always proponents of diversity and being around people of different worldviews. And yet they're saying, Hey, you shouldn't at all feel like you have to go explain your lifestyle will be certainly be around people that, that think differently than you, even if it's for only six hours, you know, on, on a Thursday. Um, and so it just got me thinking whether or not that I was like, man, holidays. Yeah. There, there's a bunch of tradition in them that you can be like, Oh, that's man-made, you know, that's Madison Avenue stuff that we are buying into and, and sure. Okay. That there's, there's a part of that, but then so much of, so much of family holidays and, fa- and and traditions, traditional holidays are really can be enriching to the family unit. And I think it's a, it's one of those things I kind of want to reclaim, so to, so to speak, or if not reclaim, I really want to solidify for our, our family going forward. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause when I was looking up, what is like, what is technically fr- Friendsgiving? I know what I think it refers to myself, but what actually is it? And, you know, lots of Google articles pulled up, but I thought, you know, the whole point of it is to celebrate the family that you chose, yep. like you mentioned. Um, and as one, you know, blog put it, basically your close friends who are like family, but with less drama and fewer skeletons tucked away in the closet. Hmm. And they said that family really is just anyone who you have a deep connection with. And I think that often when we have really good friends and maybe we connect with them better than certain family members or people who come from a really, you know, a, a background where it's very heavy and very hard to spend time with family and then they get around friends that they can just be open and be themselves with and and have fun with, we think that we're elevating the friendships by um, kind of giving them kind of this familial holiday and and saying that they're family that we chose, saying that these friends are family that we chose, regardless of whether you're celebrating a holiday with them or not. Uh, but really, it's just lowering the the importance of family. Yeah, it, it's degrading the family, and I think that that's something that when we when we elevate friendships to family. I'm like saying this so confusingly, but I believe that when we elevate friendships to a family level, we are actually degrading the family, the blood family that God has given us. Yeah, diminishing it. Yeah, I think diminishing it, the importance. Yeah, I think most most often, I mean, I'd say like probably 99% of the time, this occurs when people don't have a great, they weren't raised by a great family, right? They don't have yeah. Christian parents to turn to or Christian siblings uh, to be able to fellowship with. And so they're looking to their left and to their right, and they're looking above them to their parents. 
and they're going, okay, there's nobody there. And they go find people to, to fit those roles, right? Mentors or parent figures, and then people that are kind of serve that brother, sister role. And that's what we have the church. It's the blessing of the church, right? Cause those people are there for the people that are first generation Christians that don't have spiritual parents. They don't have, you know, Christian parents and Christian siblings. But I think oftentimes the mistake is made when you don't think then to your lineage. And so you're only looking to your left and to your right and above you, who's your parents. But then you don't think, okay, who are my children? Who are they going to be? And what kind of aunts and uncles are, are they going to be? You know, what kind of, what kind of siblings with one another are they going to be when they're, uh, when they're grown? Are their kids going to be cousins that have this rich, uh, legacy of the Christian faith that they have, uh, shared for all these years? And, and so I think it can be both. Yes, go find the mentors and those parent figures and people to serve as your brothers and sisters in Christ, but then be so proactive in saying, but for me, as for me in my house, we're going to start this, this line of Christianity. And, and I think, you know, obviously the new Testament and the whole old Testament speaks so highly of the biological family, you know, as far as it being your own household, it, it being a prerequisite to even serve, you know, as an elder like you have to first have your own household. And then of course, is it in, in Timothy where he talks about, you know, that if you don't provide for your own household, you're worse than an infidel. And and then of course the old Testament is riddled with verses really commanding you to take first and foremost, to take care first and foremost of your own family, to, to be with them um, and to see, see to their needs. But when it talks a few times, you know, in the new Testament, when, when Jesus even says, Hey, I'm bringing, I'm not bringing peace. I'm bringing a sword. And, fathers are going to rise up against sons and mothers are going to rise up against daughters. And I'm going to cause this division. Um, he was right for, for what he was speaking to. I mean, he was giving a very firsthand expectation to these Jewish people where he's like, Hey, you're going to go home and tell your parents that you're now a follower of Jesus and they're Jewish and it's not going to go well. And I think anybody listening that grew up in a Muslim home, that grew up in a Jewish home, that grew up in a, a home that was very solidified in a particular tradition or 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 faith uh, or religion, and then you you got saved and you went home and told them. That's probably how it probably didn't go so well, right? It, you probably were ostracized there uh, at least for a time, and and so it's cool that we're given that expectation in the Bible. He's like, this is what it's going to look like. But that should not be our expectation as Christian parents now for our children and for the children that they have and, and their family members. No, we're going to be united in Christ. We're going to be unified in Christ. And that's certainly how it is with us and our parents. And so I do think, yes, if you are a first-generation Christian, you can probably relate to a lot of those warnings and concerns about family family situations in the New Testament because they were all first-generation Christians obviously too, but, but now that you are a first generation Christian, you need to start taking on a multi-generational approach to your faith and saying, no, Christ isn't going to be the dividing factor in my home. He's going to be the foundation of our home. He's going to be what we unite on and what we, uh, like I said, live from. Yeah. And I, some of the families that I really respect, uh, here locally still are placing a high value on those family relationships while while they have close friendships and we're close friends with some of them um, I've really respected how they've still struggled to maintain family relationships and go to family reunions and go to family holidays and times that are painful for them and not enjoyable for them because that blood family you know God 
God gave them just like he gave us a a physical father and mm-hmm. a physical mother. And there are these biological ties there. And um, they have seen their role as children to um, just bless their parents and family, even though that's a very difficult situation to be in. And I think that how cool is that for their kids to see that modeled, mm. that physical family, biological uh, family is something that God did choose for us. Mm. It is an unchangeable and family isn't something that we choose. It, it truly isn't. We can't replace that. But that doesn't mean that we can't have beautiful friendship and encouragement and things outside of it. But I think that that's a wonderful thing to model to our children because we really want our children to place a high value on their sibling relationships. You don't just go out and get a new brother or a new sister. Mm. Uh, there's something that's really beautiful if you really work on that friendship, even if it doesn't come easily or if you guys um, go separate ways for a period of time. And I really want our children to know as they are going out and raising their families um, to to value and, and put a lot of effort into those biological ties even when it's it's easier to have friends. Mm. It's just always easier to have friends. Because yep. when you're choosing something, if it doesn't work out, you move on. There's, <laughs> there's no strings attached. There's no... Um... Hey, everyone. I want to take a quick moment to tell you about our online music academy called VoteBergMusicAcademy.com. Katie and I actually started this online music academy seven years ago. And over that time, we've been able to see thousands of students go through our courses and learn how to play the guitar, the mandolin, the fiddle, the piano, the ukulele, and bring music into their home. And we really curated these lessons so that you're able to learn with your child or you're able to learn by yourself and then bring music into your home and play with your kiddos. We even have it so that you can, you know, subscribe to one course and have three of your kids take the same course. So it's really cost effective and you're able to go at your own pace and bring music into your home. Go to VoperMusicAcademy.com and check this out. Okay, listen up. This is where it gets really good. If you enter the coupon code YouTube at checkout, you will get 10% off each month's payment because it's a subscription. It's a reoccurring payment. So if you put that code in, then it's 10% off each month. So, I mean, that can really add up over time. So bring some music into your family's home. Go over to VoperMusicAcademy.com. I'll link it below. And you guys put in that coupon code and go learn how to play some piano, guitar, fiddle, mandolin, ukulele, your choice. Yeah, there's... No blood relation, like no familial connection, really. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just, there's no stress. And so that's why there is this element of family that is so powerful and also powerful in, in every sense of the word. It can be in, an incredible blessing and it can also be incredibly painful oh, yeah. because you're tied to these people, whether you want to be tied to them or not. And God had a purpose in that. And so I think that's something that I just want to pass on to my kids is that there is a purpose in this and we just don't go out and give everyone, we don't go out and choose other people for these roles uh, because God already chose who who is physically in those positions for better or for worse. Yeah, the thing that struck me in, in all the articles I read as well, you know, by the New York Times or Vice Magazine or Vice News uh, is how much they put a value on cho- on choice, you know, go figure, mm-hmm. you know, just that you want a choice in everything and how that 
is such a common theme in in so many of the agendas obviously you know the pro-choice movement like my choice to kill a baby it's my choice or a choice of my gender like i get to choose my gender and this goes over to oh no uh, my choice to choose my family and and it's just spitting in the face of god and saying hey i hate the way you made this i i hate who you that you made me a male man you know with his body and this hair color and whatever i'm gonna i'm gonna change all of it uh and, and in a lot of ways it's doing the same thing you know when you do it with your family and like you said it's diminishing the family you when you see it at the surface you're like man that is the most hurtful th- i can only imagine like it, it it having children it blows my mind to think that fathers and mothers just walk away from their kids like that blows my mind yeah i can't that that I is can't understand that. i can't understand it either you know if the, that's that's the real trauma that takes place in in children's lives when their parents abandon them and so you can say okay so you're one of these kids who's parents just abandoned you and you're trying to wrap your mind around a loving father you know that's that's who's what god calls him god calling himself a father you know he didn't he in the guard you know he he made fam- familial terms before he started referring to us in familial terms like he made them for earthly families does that make sense okay and then, wait, so hold on so what so god made earthly familial terms before he started in at least in the bible before he started referring to himself as father, you know, where we started referring to us as his children or oh. us as one another as brothers and sisters. I say that to say that was the highest institution he could think to compare our relationship to, to him with. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And so when you think of that, the institution is good. The role of a father is good. The role of a mother is an amazing role. And yet I could see how if it's been completely abused in your life, or done in a terrible way, you think, well, that none of these things matter. Siblings don't matter. My, all my siblings are messed up. Parents don't matter. They they were the worst thing about my life, actually. And and so you do away with the institution rather than seeing the sin for what it was and saying, oh, it was that terrible sin that was infused in these familial institutions that brought all the certain to my life. The institution is good. The institution is glorious and it's, and God loves it so much that he, I mean, one, he chose to come into this world through a family institution. I mean, obviously a, a divine conception in you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, and Mary and, but then he was raised in a family, like with brothers and sisters and a mother and a father. And, and then now he refers to us as his children, as his family, he calls himself a father and that's not at all. He's not saying, now the old family's gone, that family doesn't matter. He's saying, no, that family's so important. You know, that thing that I've talked about that is this high station, that's what you are to me now. And so it should, if anything, what it should first and foremost do is say, oh my goodness, family is important. I need to take my biological family very seriously, my role as a father very seriously, and I should respect and honor my parents um, and and instill that, and that's so cool too about, our friends that don't have believing parents, but still make a point to honor them in the ways that they can. Like you said, they're exemplifying that to their children. They're saying, Hey, yeah, we disagree with this behavior with this, uh, with these b- beliefs, but the position and the, and their station, we do respect. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause we're talking really two ways here. Cause it's easy for us in really a middle generation. We have children, we have our own families and we're also a part of families. Um, and so 
we're picturing our own parents, our own siblings and, and that relationship. And what is that communicating to our own legacy that mm. we're um, now starting by God's grace? Because regardless of where our um, parents left off, every every new generation is a new beginning. Yeah. And um, we can choose to destroy the legacy that has been created for us or um, build on that mm. legacy and continue to grow from wherever, wherever we're at today. Um, and I just think, okay, so I'm just thinking of all of this, all these different terms, the biological family, not, you know, you, you brought up Jesus being born in a, in a family. And then what's coming to my mind is because we get a lot of, um, these comments here on the podcast about, well, the church is our family. And I do think that's a beautiful thing. The fact that God is our father, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, that those are those scriptural terms there and not scriptural. Those are, the, those are physical terms used for spiritual relationships. Hmm. Uh, but I'm thinking of when Jesus was, I think it was when the guy was getting lowered down through the ceiling and there were all those people around and they said, Hey, your father and Oh, your mother and brother are here. Mm -hmm. And he goes, who's my mother? Who's my brother? And what would you, what would your take be on that? Well, clearly he is like, we are his bride. We are, he, he, that is, you think of this Jesus Christ divine, like that's mm -hmm. God in body, that's God incarnate. And who, who was his father? I mean, his father was up in heaven. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. His father was, and then he had this, sorry, it was his mother. It was physical mother and brother. I think you said your mother and brother yeah, is here outside. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to, I didn't, I don't know the context of this <laughs> verse all the way. <laughs> I'm just like, Oh, I don't know why that, that one just came to mind yeah. as far as like, cause I think we're, we're quick to try to, if we don't have healthy relationships with current family and we feel like they've been um, harmful or hurtful to us, hmm. there is a big push to just cut them off. Like, oh, they're toxic. You know, you can throw out the term toxic and all of a sudden it's like, wow, just, you know, throw that person under a bush and never talk to him again. And so I'm trying to think of um, maybe some of the the scriptural examples or something that people would bring out to yeah, just well, be like, hey, like this physical family thing isn't important. It's only the family that we have in Christ. Yeah, I don't know if, I mean, I don't think it's communicating that, but I, I to what you were saying about people that do have family members that are counterproductive to what they're trying to do as Christians, we do need to d use discernment in mm -hmm. our interactions with them. I don't think it's, we don't blindly or willy nilly just go leave our kids at your, you know, at the grandparents house when you know your grandparents are terrible people. Like, like some, some Christians, especially if they're first generation Christians have terrible parents, like their parents are terrible people or their mm -hmm. siblings are terrible people. They're mm -hmm. criminals, you know, they're living in overt sin and I'm not at all advocate advocating saying like hey you need to spend all the time with them no, you know you no, need to yes, go and we want be to make that clear. chums with them and have your kids be around them all the time uh that's not at all what i'm saying and i think that that's far more what the what the new testament is referring to situations where it's like these are clearly these are your family's clearly not they're not christians they're going to ostracize you mm -hmm. and so yeah but hey look at this we're brothers and sisters in, in christ in Christ Jesus, this doesn't super, this doesn't, I shouldn't say this doesn't, um, like replace, replace the biological family. Um, 
and 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 if anything, again going back to the New Testament, because even after Jesus, you know, when you look at the epistles and the qualifications of the ministers, he's obviously households are a big deal, you know, and marriages are a big deal as far as husbands love your wife, as Christ loved the church. He's not saying, hey, love your wife like just any other you know, lady in the, in the congregation, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ or, you know, fathers do not provoke your children. He's talking about their direct children. Not, he's not saying, Hey, all the children are kind of, we're all, it's group. We're, it's community child training here, community child training, which is another popular thing in these articles. You know, they're saying, Hey, choose your family. You're everybody's raising your kids. And it's like, no, that's not how it is all, at, at all in God's order. It's like mothers and fathers have a special relationship mothers and fathers a relationship to their children. And and then obviously Second Timothy three sixteen, you know, that all scripture is God breathed and is profitable for reproof and for correction and for the perfection perfecting of the saints. All scripture, well what's he referring to? Obviously the Old Testament. You know, so this is in the New Testament as Christians, first generation Christians, saying, Hey, what's our what's our playbook here? You know, like where can, do we have some like something to reference for how we're supposed to do this Christian life thing. It's like, yeah, the whole, the whole old Testament, you know, like that's what we're using as our, as our playbook here. And that, that of course is, is just littered with verses, uh, proclaiming the glory and the value of, of the biological family. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's just, I mean, I know you caught me off guard with that one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got myself off guard with that one. I've just been like searching. I think sometimes I, obviously, you guys know if you're longtime listeners, Elisha and I come from really, really wonderful families. We're blessed that way. And I'm, I don't want to take it for granted, but I'm sure that I do because I've never had an experience other than that. And that mm. doesn't mean that it's a conflict free relationship. You know, we've got a lot of siblings and there's a lot of in laws and there's, uh, there are differing points of view and we've had to work through things and um, we'll continue to work through stuff with these with these relationships that are so close to us. But I can't begin to understand the pain and anger and, you know, just like even if you've been able to give it all to the Lord and, and don't have these roots of bitterness that go back um, so, so deep, it's just hard. And it's hard to be around these people. And like, and I think that does point to this power of family because if a friend hurts you, you never have to see him again. It's not this sting that can keep stinging and stinging and stinging. Uh, it's not this person that you can't, you can't leave no matter what. I even mm. think of um, divorces that happen. You know, you think, oh, I'm going to, that's a, that's a spiritual bond that, like a spiritual covenant. So it's, mm-hmm. there's no blood relation there. But I think even when that like divorce has happened, that person is still in your life forever. Yeah. In some instance, yeah. you know, in some, in some way, ethereal way, they're just <laughs> no, always in the room <laughs> or another. No, no, I'm saying like, I, I guess I'm picturing if you've had kids together, it's yeah. like, you're never going to like lose that person. Like, Oh yeah, definitely. If you have kids, cause that's it's what like I'm their blood is running through your kids. Yeah, exactly. Veins. Like you can never completely move on from that person. Yeah. And so there's just all these complexities to relationship and, and, um, holidays being really tough times yeah. for people. And I don't want this to be like, it's no big deal. Like don't have a celebration with your friends. Like go, Oh yeah. You know, get your teeth pulled out no. at your family's house, you know, but 
we do want to just encourage that that those biological relationships are unchangeables for a reason and and that reason can be way is way bigger than than ours you know that that was god's decision it's his design he allowed certain things to happen and maybe they weren't put in our lives to bless us but we were put in their lives to bless them absolutely and and i think the only thing that gave me pause with the the whole friendsgiving trend or phenomenon it's not when I hear Christians talk about that are awesome Christians, they're like, oh man, like, yeah, we, you know, we can't afford flights this year to go see family or I work all day. And so we're just going to, we, we, I couldn't get that day off. So we're going to get together with some friends in the evening. I'm like, awesome. It's great. You've got Christian friends to get together with and you call it a Friendsgiving. Okay. Like whatever the re the thing that gave me pause was when I saw all these news outlets that, you know, hate God, they hate our creator and they hate family become big spokespeople and proponents for Friendsgivings being like, actually, you know, guys, these are way better. It's way better that you do this. And I was like, wait a second, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not okay with these things. And I think that's actually a red flag a lot of times with things that pop up in, in the church where are thinking, okay, I see where they're coming from. They're you know, like, maybe people saying, oh, you know, you, I, we, we make an idol out of marriage saying we're emphasizing marriage too much in the church. Like it's this you know, we need to think about the single people. And, and I've been, you know, I was 23, 24, 25 year old single guy in the church. It's like, yeah, like, like, is there a place for me in the church? But then when you see liberal and people that hate God start to basically say the same thing and say, you know what, actually marriage is dumb. Like it's better if you're single, you can do so much more. You're kind of like, wait a second. Well, you can swing to the, you can, you could the pendulum can really swing to trying to service people that and serve people that aren't, in marriage, all of a sudden you start condemning marriage and you start tearing apart this institution mm -hmm. rather than saying, no, marriage is awesome. And if you're single, we want to, you're a huge blessing to the church. You're an effective part and an active part of the body of Christ. And you should think marriage is awesome too. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's the parent, it's the parents that are infertile and they just want kids. Like they, they should want kids. Mm -hmm. That is a blessing. They shouldn't say it's dumb to have kids. It's mm -hmm. dumb to have those blessings. No, they should pray for that. Like, what a gift to be able to have that. And I think I'm saying all that to say, yeah, no, that with, that's when it really comes good. to family and mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, say, oh, family Thanksgivings are dumb. Friendsgivings are way better. Choose your family. That's what's right. Like, whoa, 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 no. Family is is awesome. Like that institution is amazing. You should want it for your home. You should want it for your children. And it stinks that you're from a bad family. I mean. Now start a new line, you know, start, turn the page, but you, you, you raise the first, you know, have your children be second generation Christians, and then they're going to raise third generation Christians. And you'll have, hopefully you live to see your great grandchildren walking in the faith. Um, yeah, praise the Lord. And take that I, again, you know, easy, easy for a guy like me to say, but I no, think that's I always what gives me pause when I hear people that I know, because there's people that are professing Christians that truly do have the best interest of the body. I think in mind and they'll, and they'll minister to people with uh, bad family situations. And I'm like, amen. Thank you. That's such a good thing. But then all of a sudden you hear liberals that, Hey God, start saying similar things. You're kind of like, well, I don't know. Cause I know you don't have my best interest in mind. I know you don't want to honor my God. You, you hate that guy. You know, you hate my God and, and all you're kind of saying something similar. So I want to consider this. Well, that's, that is what the devil loves to do is he likes to take some truth and then, 
twisted Hmm. and make it unhealthy and unhelpful to our lives. And, And I love the way that you put that, where something can still be desirable and be good just be uh, regardless of whether we have it or not. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, we don't have to scoff at something. We can still, even if we don't have it, I guess. Yes. Amen. Yeah. So I think that's good. And obviously uh, there's nothing in like Thanksgiving that makes it Christian. <laughs> you know, it's not like, I, I don't know. I a- think that even that it's, I think it should be a Christian holiday, a time to give thanks to to God. And I think that even like a lot of the history that's been hijacked by once again, people that hate God mean like, actually, that's not what the story is. You know, people <laughs> were the pilgrims weren't gathering together to thank their God and to break bread with the, the natives of the land. Uh, and it's like, uh, like, so defend your history then, you know, like where are you getting and, and you, and you hear their stories and their references. And you're like, okay, no, th- this is your opinion and this is your agenda. Like you want us to hate Christians and you want us to hate that Christians came to America. I think I will very much celebrate Thanksgiving and thank you very much. And, and thank my God for what he's done to this country. That's my total like emotional response to that. So, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I do think that's true because when we look back, I forget who I was reading. I don't know if it was Charlotte Mason or someone in that line of thought, but they were saying how important it was for children to have heroes and for us to have strong patriotism in our country, because that's how strong countries are built through patriotism, not through going and trying to dig up the dirt Mm. because the truth is that Abraham Lincoln was human and George Washington was human Mm. and there were good pilgrims and there were bad pilgrims and some murdered the Indians and some were, I'm sure ministering to the Indians, Indians. you know, like, cause we're all human. So yeah, America doesn't have this perfect track record and we can go back and try to, you know, tell the story the way it really was. But honestly, realism doesn't always serve us when I think of, um, you know, when it comes to heroism and when it comes to patriotism and when it comes to um, even like history, it's not... When it comes to the giants of the Bible, the giants of the faith, yeah, you know, you think exactly. of Philippians 4. Okay, so whatsoever things are true and lovely and just and honest and of good report, think on these things. And I go, okay, we're, we're going to go back. And I don't know how many times I heard like, well, no, Moses was a messed up dude. You know what I mean? He got drunk. He, you know, all, all the weird stuff. Or not Moses, sorry, Noah. Yes, Noah. yes, Noah. I exactly. mean, Moses had his flaws too. But you go through yeah, the he the, rock. the Hebrews. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hebrews David, eleven. What, you what's slept the whole? With yeah, what's the book of faith that that whole or that the chapter? Oh of, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Hall of faith or whatever. So like Hebrews yeah. twelve. But they were faithful. And instead of going back, I mean, like, oh my word, Noah. Like that was actually pretty legendary. Like my kids should be could should see that and be like, wow, this guy believed God. And he trusted God and he built an ark and everybody was mocking him and saying, what a fool. Oh, your God's this, your God's that. What a, what a loony you are, Noah. Like every human in the history of the world is going to have a flaw that you can point to. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, we should all point to Christ as being the perfect Adam, right? The one that Mm -hmm. has, he has on our behalf lived a righteous life. But I do think we need to draw inspiration from these characters from the Bible and from from history to point our children to and be like, those pilgrims were pretty dang ambitious and they were courageous and I'm thankful for them. Like I'm thankful yeah. for where we live and the life that we have here in the United States and the freedoms that we have because of these gung-ho, like adventurous, 
thrill-seeking, whatever, faithful, whatever adjective you want to use, like draw inspiration from that. Mm Because I think it is very noteworthy and it's worthy of praise. I think we should find those things that are worthy of praise. People that are in, you know, the Bible, the history of the Bible, or just the Christian uh, history since then as well. Yeah. Because that is pretty legendary. You think about the pilgrims, how many people were on the boat? Like a hundred and something, 106. Yeah. You like land. 42 of them were children. Yeah. And then after the first winter, only, oh no, maybe only 22 of them were children. I think 22 of them were children. But then after the first winter, only 50 survived. Mm. 50? That's like smaller than our small group. Yeah. That's, that's a small church. Very small church, and you're looking around and you're like, This is it, this is what we got. The majority of them like were, this. were kids. Yeah. And, I mean, that is the truth. Like they would have never survived with survived without the Indians. I think our small group, it's small and we have forty two kids we counted that were there the other night. Mm-hmm. Like forty two kids. And I think it was like that similar ratio with the pilgrims from the books I'm reading to the kids, where it's like you have 50 people and like 35 kids. And if you're going to get attacked, you're toast. Like, how are you going to provide for these people and feed them and all that? Anyways, it's just a really incredible thing. And it's not like, obviously, there are a bunch of friends getting together for the first Thanksgiving. You know, there, it was whoever was surviving. That was, that was who was there. They were having a Friendsgiving. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they were having a Friendsgiving. But I do think that well, there was probably family. There was families there. Oh, doing well, obviously, it, uh, we sure. wouldn't have populated the country if there weren't some families. Yeah. But I think well, it isn't like a biblical familial holiday or something like that. I think that historically, holidays have been celebrated with families, and that is something that we should want to uh, go go towards instead of go away from and that's that's our hope for our children is even if uh, well we we can experience that uh, currently with our families but even if you can't currently experience with that with your family placing somehow that high value on family um, that is biological and and it's okay to separate it from friendships it doesn't mean you can't have a really 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 good friendship you don't have to call it a family relationship to have it be a good friendship and let that person know they mean the world to you um but then placing that high value on family so that our children place that high value on family because over the next few generations it would just be an incredible gift to uh, to society, to mm. Christendom, to families, for more families to be gathering together instead of going towards a very uh, scattered society, a oh, fragmented society of yeah. individualism and and this fracturing of the family. Um, and just, I think, seeing that the, a united family is the goal. Yes. And fractured family is a reality, but it's not something we want to elevate we want to go towards more unity. Yeah, and, and it was so cool when you see families that are healthy families and Christian families when they do make their home a place for people that don't have families. Yeah, because incredible. those people come in, and what do all those people say? Just kind of like, boy, what a blessing it is to see a healthy family, a functioning family. I didn't have this. I want this. And have people be like, yeah, you, sh- you should want this. The healthy family doesn't say, no, 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 don't. You shouldn't want a healthy family. It's just... <laughs> You, exactly. We don't, don't say that. We yeah. just say like, no, no, no. Like it's all the same. Yeah, what, exactly. In order to not pick, make people feel bad from where they've come from. Yes. We try to act like it doesn't matter. Yes. Where it, it is an incredible gift. Yeah. And if you don't have that, you, you didn't, you weren't able to participate in that gift for yourself and you feel that. Yeah. And, and you have to live with that. And 
by God's grace, he can, he can heal that, but it's hard for you. And so that's obviously not what we want for our kids. So it's clearly not best, yeah. even though it is, um, it's there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too. Cause like I said, one of the points that the writer of, I think it was the New York times article I was reading, they were talking about how like you shouldn't feel pressured if to go be around your family, if you've got different ideologies of them and you, have, you don't have to go talk about politics and in your lifestyle and whatnot. And I was like, you know, that's interesting. Cause not only is that totally counter to everything else they ever say, but holidays were one of the times I, I was exposed to more diversity than ever. Cause growing up, um, you know, not everybody on my mom's side was Christians. Um, everybody on my dad's side was Christians, but uh, you know, when I think about some of the people I interacted with growing up at family holidays, you know, I, I had a, I had homosexual relatives. I had the, you know, what was cool too is like, yeah, yeah. have. And that was when I saw them was at holidays. And when they interacted and they came to our Christian home and they, we prayed Christian prayers, you know, and we sang Christian songs and we were with them. And it's crazy how, I don't know if it was just because of my youth or because of the times, how normal that felt Mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways, right? Like we were friends with our relatives that we were playing games and we were, we had a relationship with them and yet we were very aware of the difference in our worldviews and in our lifestyles and and in in our in our religion and our faith and and then even in addition to that i talk about diversity my my grandma um for years was a host house for exchange students and so she would always bring the three exchange students that were living at her house every christmas you know so i got to meet people from all around the world you know all many asian countries and and middle eastern um, exchange students. Uh, so, I mean, it's, I, I thought that was ironic that people want more diversity by pulling away from the family, but it's actually, if you stay connected to your family, a lot of times you are exposed to more diverse worldviews. Well, yeah, and, that's the ironic thing because when you choose who you're going to hang around, yeah. it's typically a little cloister it is. Of Yes, people, uh, the side that's anti-family and anti-God it wants to act like a family is this cloistered little weird unit that's Oh, it wants cultish. to say the family's that yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. Which, but then they're encouraging you to go out and be around everybody who thinks exactly like you in your own little weird cloister way. Yes. And that's not actually how it is at all. You're yeah. right. Because because we can't choose our family, we're often forced into a relationship with people that we don't naturally get along with or that have different worldviews. And there's a blessing in that. There's a a design behind family. And just like everything else, we can't say, oh, well, marriage is this. I mean, we can say that, but it doesn't change what marriage really was because God designed it. And it's the same way with family. God designed the family. Mm -hmm. So we can't just go out and say anything's a family. (laughs) Like, Like this article that says family is anyone you have a close connection with. Well, that's not actually a family. Yeah. <laughs> no, like I'm yeah, serious. I, I'm I, serious. Bl- I know you're serious and you should be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious, Elisha. <laughs> anyway, so I feel this is something that we care about because clearly we do care about the the family, yeah. the family unit, the mother, the father, the children. Um, but yeah, I don't want to be insensitive either to different different backgrounds and you know just dealing with all the stuff that i haven't personally had to deal with when it comes to holidays oh yeah exactly and that's i mean there are some crazy stories you know when you you hear about people's 
like something that happened to them as a child at a family Thanksgiving. It's like, I never, you're like, okay, well, yeah, geez, holy smokes. I would never want to go back to a family Thanksgiving either. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm talking about like this surface level opinion mm-hmm. that family doesn't matter, you know, like that, that it's all, it's all the same, whether, whether they, it's your neighbor or your biological father or whoever, it's all the same. It's like, well, no, let's define some things here. Um, and, and, he, and even if it's not for our sake, I guess it's for our children's sake Absolutely. because we're communicating to them that it doesn't matter, that everyone's equal, that we throw familial terms around instead of, well, there's actually this certain person that has a certain role for better or for worse. Yes. And now we've got to live with that. And, and the beautiful thing is, is that you can be a blessing in that role for someone someday. Yes. Amen. That's right. Just the fact that, you know, it's been said in so many ways that, um, you know, a father is the most influential person in a child's life, whether by his presence or his absence, you know, yeah. or whether by his domineering, abusive nature or by his loving, nurturing nature. And the fact is you can't escape the influence of the biological family. Mm-hmm. You can't. And so uh, then make it a good influence, you know, make mm-hmm. it a good influence in your home and teach your children how to do the same thing. Yeah, I think that's the beautiful thing and that's the empowering thing and that that's the note that we want to end on here is that it doesn't matter where we've come some come from so much as what Christ has redeemed and where we are going. Yeah. That's a great point, Katie Bay, because well, I know we we're wrapping it up. Being redeemed doesn't then negate every other thing that we were. Does that make sense? It's not like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer anymore. I'm a Christian or I'm not a mother anymore. I'm a Christian. It's like, well, no, now you are a Christian lawyer. Now you are a Christian mother. Now you are a Christian ch- child or sibling. And, and I think that's something that we can really, uh, take and be empowered by, right? Like there are obviously are some practices here on the surface that are in, inherently sinful, but parenthood isn't one of those things. Parenthood is one of those things that God came to redeem, not do away with. He's like, no, this is a good thing. I need to redeem this. Say, oh, great. We are now Christian parents, Christian, you know, siblings and whatnot. Anyways. (laughs) No, no. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not in a rush. I could talk all night, but. Let's let's call it. (laughs) (laughs) But but I've got nothing more to say on this. (gasps) Folks, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.